So Charles Leclerc lays a beating on the field and Max Verstappen's car blows up again. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hey, remember like two whole weeks ago when we thought this title race was going to be all sorts of dramatic and stuff? Yeah, now one guy's got a two-race lead. Imagine how these things turn out sometimes, eh? Welcome to episode 352 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighbourhood host, Dre Harrison, and we're going back to Australia, baby, for the first time in three years. It's like that that 2020 Friday morning was uh, quite quite the memory, looking back on it now. But for the first time in three years, we could say we had an Australian Grand Prix, and it was decent. We'll, we'll take that for Albert Park. We'll definitely take that for Albert Park. But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit but first let's go around the corner and check out our host first up rj o'connell hello sir uh, whoa uh i'm still uh you know i think after this weekend between formula one and super formula i i think my body clock uh is uh i think it needs to be repaired i i think i need to take my body clock to the shop uh and, and just let it level itself out uh with Plenty of 16-hour naps. That that sounds like a very healthy plan, to be fair. It, it screwed us all up. I know the Americans had to get up at 1 in the morning for it, and uh, us Brits had to get up at 6 a.m. Look, I can't really complain about this as a European because, let's be honest, three quarters of the calendar is in our favor. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Is this but, foreshadowing uh, any potential talking points we'll be having later on in our show that had nothing um, to do with the Australian Grand Prix? Maybe, maybe, you know, there's no way I would ever fail to take an opportunity to to have a bitch at some whiny Europeans. Never. I would never do such a thing. Isn't that right, Ryan King? Oh. Uh, I mean, I <laughs> besides having to, you know, bookend pretty much my entire weekend with having to get up early enough to watch the Australi Australian Grand Prix and having to stay up pretty much i wouldn't say late enough but when you when the day is that long late enough to again watch long beach on let's you know in california it's three hours behind the east coast mm. yeah it was a hard weekend it was it was a hard weekend um i remember teasing the fact that we had our busiest weekend of the year about three weeks ago. I was wrong and I missed this one on the calendar. And um, I've lived to painfully regret this, knowing that all four of the major series we cover uh, were all racing that weekend. And yes, we are doing four episodes to commemorate this, uh, one for each. So uh, stay tuned Yay! for that running order very, very soon. Um, Formula One goes first, then IndyCar, then MotoGP and Formula E. So yeah, a lot coming over the next couple of weeks. We, we, we got a bit of time off, thankfully. We've got two weeks before the next F1, two weeks before the next uh, MotoGP as well. And we've got three weeks before the next Formula E and IndyCar rounds. Uh, of course, we'll cover all of that in the next fortnight or so. But, man, Australian Grand Prix, loaded Sunday in motorsport in general. This started us off at uh, 6 a.m. UK time, and, uh, oh, Charles Leclerc laid a beating, an absolute 
beating on the field uh, in an emphatic fashion. Unfortunately, he got to run up the score at the expense of Max Verstappen's fuel tank. Um, yes, uh, Max Verstappen has two DNFs already. And uh, all of a sudden, this championship doesn't look quite as competitive as we thought it was going to be in Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's amazing how these things turn out. It was kind of a weekend of disasters across the board. We'll be talking about some of that, Fernando Alonso. Not a good weekend for Spain and F1 in general. Let's be honest here. Um, yeah, Carlos Sainz, Fernando Alonso not having a good day, but uh, let, let's just say I may or may not have snapped and wrote a very angry video script about the state of Aston Martin. It may or may not get mentioned later. Just throwing that one out there. Um We'll talk about the new revamped Albert Park as well and how that played out. And uh, unfortunately, we missed this bit of news because uh, all of a sudden I was like, hang on a minute, why are a bunch of motorsport journalists flying out to like Nevada for some reason? Oh, oh, that's why. Um, oh, okay. Uh, F1's coming to Vegas, everybody. Vegas, baby. Uh, yeah. Casino, casino, Las Vegas, Vegas, casino, casino. Effin, 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 FFF, Casino, Casino, Vegas. <laughs> yes, Vegas, everybody. Um, yeah, America's getting three Grand Prix next year. That's going to be fun to talk about, right? Us Europeans definitely took that news well. Isn't that right, guys? Uh, my American brothers. They, 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 it was really highly approved, Ooh, wasn't it? Oh, boy. Where do I start? <laughs> I also like the fact that you can watch a five-minute montage of all the times that they swear or say Casino or Las Vegas in the film Casino, and you basically understand the entirety of the plot. Beautiful. <laughs> Gotta love a Scorsese American Gangster Trilogy film. Mm, Just love mm. it. You love to see it. So we'll be giving our thoughts on the Vegas announcement and uh, the ever-expanding Formula One calendar uh, later on in the show as well, because we felt like it was worth talking about uh, um, because we missed it a couple of weeks ago with Saudi Arabia and the way the timing of these calendar events work. But before we, before we get into all of that, basically you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube and Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101 for updates on there and some exclusive content as well. Um, we were on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you want to follow our Twitter handles personally, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at RJ O'Connell. Um, you can check us out on Instagram at Motorsport101Pod. And you can check all of our content, videos, podcasts, written blogs by yours truly. I did do a review of just about everything that came out of the weekend. Um, Formula will definitely be up by the time this goes out. Um, all of that will be on the website as well if you want some even more thoughts on the weekend from yours truly. Check out the blog section on there in particular, but all of our content goes on there, motorsport101.com, as well as our Patreon page. If you look to really, really like us and have to back us on there, you can, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. But without further ado, let's get into Formula 1's Australian Grand Prix. Yeah. How about it? Charles Leclerc just dominated this race. You know, that's the first time a Ferrari driver has grand slammed an event since Fernando Alonso at the 2010 Singapore Grand Prix. I feel uh, old. Old. <laughs> he won by about 20 seconds. And uh, as a nice bonus, Master Sappens Red Bull suffered its second DNF in three races. He had a fuel leak that destroyed his car and his chances of consolidating even 18 points out of the weekend. So Ferrari now lead the Constructors' Championship by 49 points 
and Leclerc himself leads Verstappen by 46 points. He is now, uh, funnily enough, second place in the championship. George Russell, you couldn't make this <laughs> stuff up. Um, Trey, we're three races in. It's yeah. a long season, but just how big a blow is this in a title race? Big, 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 big. I look, look. This is a long. The, the blessing for Max is that we are now. We, we're probably. We probably still have not. We, okay, we definitely still have nineteen races to go. Probably twenty if they decide to replace Russia um, later on down the road. Either way, the only blessing here is you know they might have gotten this out of the way early, but. By any measure, looking at the scoreboard, seeing that Charles Leclerc has been virtually flawless all season long, like really he's what, it was six tenths away from running the table so far to start this season. Um, And you've had two DNFs that have now put you essentially two rounds back. And we've only raced in three of them in total. Um, This is bad. This is bad bad for Red Bull like I like it's still far too early to say you know oh we're definitely done here but the way Charles is driving like it could be one of those situations like we had last year with Hamilton where Hamilton and and, and Verstappen were just trading firsts and seconds all year long because I think personally from what I've seen in the season so far he and Signs, like like Signs and Perez, are in a different sort of league here. It, I think you've just swapped out Hamilton for Leclerc, <laughs> really. And if, if we're going to be swapping a lot of first and seconds around, and, and only seven eight point swings, forty six points is a huge margin. If that's how this season's going to play out, like that's like six rounds <laughs> that it could be for Max to reel this in, barring shenanigans. But this is not good. Like. Red Bull, I think, were probably desperate to double up, especially given their names on the powertrain for the first time this year as well. And they're now, again, 49 points back in the constructors. This is a huge problem, fellas. I mean, where does Red Bull go from here? I mean, like, what did you make of Christian Horner's comments? I know Horner said, I'd rather... I'd rather fix a fast car than make a slow and reliable one fast. I mean, was that just projecting from Christian? I mean, let's be honest. It wouldn't surprise us given it's Christian Horner, right? Yeah, it it, it doesn't look good. Uh, on the other side of the equation, uh, take a bow, Charles Clare. Dump oh, a yeah. whole vending machine on the field. I don't think at any point in this race did it look like anyone was going to catch him. And you know I've got a soft spot in my heart for Charles Leclerc. I do. I mm. love Jules Bianchi. Well, he was still here with us. He's his protege. And you know I was high on this dude before he even turned a wheel in F1. Um, we know he's quick. He's won races before. I know it seems like forever and a day ago because the last two years of Ferrari have been so terrible, but now they're back. And I think a lot like Matt's Verstappen in the last year or so, it seems like seems like the man that uh, uh, friend of the show uh, Aerotech uh, dubbed this weekend as um, <laughs> as a fat cock Charlie. Uh, it seems like he's corrected <laughs> his greatest flaw: his confidence. 
Remember back in 2019 where he would beat himself up all the time? Remember Baku? I'm mm. stupid. I'm stupid. I don't think his confidence, he's unshakable. You know, I, I went back and watched the highlights and he's just like, he's in a groove. He's out there asking for his team to go set the fastest lap and they're telling him no, no. And he just goes out there and sets the fastest lap on the last lap anyway. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe just maybe things are different at Ferrari. Maybe they've remembered who they were. Maybe they won't fumble the bag now that they have such an unassailable lead. And if that is the case, you know, there is a church uh, that's just been sitting there abandoned. There's good real estate there. I'm open to so uh, starting Sunday services. <laughs> we are not bringing back the church. <laughs> I've suffered enough <laughs> at Ferrari. <laughs> we are not doing this again. Partake yet, anyway. from the chalice of the red lean and enjoy <laughs> the, the blood of Christ. And in this case, the Christ is our Lord and Savior, Charles Leclerc. Uh, that's that, that's quite the thing, isn't it? I mean, could you imagine him as a super pastor? Also, I have to ask, Logic, where the hell did Fat Cock Charlie come from? <laughs> Again, this was from uh, this was from uh, from Arrow, from uh, Mister Arrow HD at Aerotech. Uh, this was this came up on the timeline. I was just I was I was keeping half an eye on the race while I was watching uh, Super Formula. Shout outs to Tomoki Nojiri for also bringing the whole vending machine down on the field in race two. Shout out mm. to Ryo Hirakawa for being that dude in race one. And uh, commiserations to Ukio Sasahara, who's got his first pole position and then grabbed the bots and neutrals off the line. Um, what a what a comprehensive, what a what an ass beating that was from Charles. That looked like that looked like prime Schumacher out there. No wonder they commit. They threw all the money at him. It's, it's it's still weird to say he's like only halfway through this massive five year extension. And look, I knew when they gave him that that, that Vettel's days were numbered at Ferrari because like you don't give those sorts of contracts away unless you're saying, yeah, we're building the entire team around this dude, you know, um, to, to get a five year extension. But yeah, look, look, this this is this is a running pattern, like like. Charles has maximized everything that's been put in front of him so far this season. And he only lost out in Saudi Arabia by basically four car lengths. Um, you know, it, it was that close. And it, it's first, second, first, two fastest laps, and now a Grand Slam victory. Like, King, where the hell do we go from here? I mean, where, can Ripple even make this up? Because, like, even if Red Bull has the slightly faster car, which I'm not convinced they do at the moment. It's, I think it's close, but I'm not convinced they've got the best car on the table right now. I mean, if they keep going back and forth, like, where does Red Bull make this up? Uh, I don't know. And they need, they just need to stretch the races where they finish. Because I think off the top of my head, the last time that Max Verstappen's had a situation where he's had two retirements in three races or less was during the pandemic season uh, when when he had back-to-back -back races in the two Italian races at, at Monza and, and Mugello. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Ooh. since that point, he he's had maybe a one-off retirement here or there. Like, 
he had, what, three retirements uh, last season, and you already know two of them off the top of your head without ha- even having to think, of- think about it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> th- there was mitigating factors behind all three of his major DNFs last year. Like, you know, Mons are probably the most up in the air to debate the other two. Well, you know how they play now. Um, but, yeah, it's like... That's the, thing, the reliability of the car itself was flawless last year, and that was a big reason why Verstappen ended up with the driver's title in the end. But, yeah, 46 points. 46 points already that Max has got to make up. I know Max if Sergio Perez was, wasn't was pulling his weight this year. Sergio Perez has looked so good this year. A lot better. A lot better than what he was last year. Like, losing to Charles by 20 seconds still is not ideal, but points are points. And, look, I, it wasn't mentioned in Saudi Arabia as much, but it was nice to see that Perez was able to lead a race on his own merit comfortably before the first pit stop happened. It gave me a little bit of faith in Perez that he might be able to back up Red Bull a little bit better, um, unlike some other people at Ferrari this past weekend. Oh, boy. Um, and on today's in- episode of El Chiringuito. <laughs> the plan, the plan. <laughs> um, wait till like you, you find out. Be careful, or are we gonna get blocked? Well, yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, has Carlos Sainz blocked us on Twitter yet? Um, but I've got, we gotta check that to late, later on tonight. Um, there was this was also like the other end of the coin here was that we had a lot of high profile failings. I mean. Ooh, Carlos Sainz was unlucky in qualifying when Alonso's red flag, which he was on a lap that could have put him on the front row, um, he binned it at the end of the back straight. That brought out a red flag that was coming down just um, as Carlos Sainz was going over the line. He couldn't really recover in his second hot lap. He had to qualify ninth. He bogged down at the start. Dropped to 14th, and then lap two, he, he goes for a hefty overtake and ends up in a in a gravel trap. So his day was done. Yeah. Alonso ruined his tires, and Aston Martin pretty much spent the entire weekend repairing their cars. I'm not exaggerating. This literally had to happen. This was literally the story of Aston Martin's weekend. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, fellas. We had a fire on Vettel's car in practice one. I think they both crashed in FP3. Yeah, to- um, yeah Vettel, uh, Vettel's car opted to uh, uh, pay early homage to the uh, late Gilbert Gottfried's character, uh, Seymour Smoke. Um, <laughs> no. oh, and, no. and of course, that gave, a, that gave us what we thought was going to be the undisputed meme of the weekend of Vettel riding around uh, on his moped. And that then the FIA telling him, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was funny. Please don't do that again. Yeah, it's a five grand fine. Um, <laughs> no, I do have to point out, I, I don't want to say it's a bit hypocritical in terms of the reaction. How everyone saying, oh, he shouldn't be fined, even though it's a safety issue. It was fun. We all had a great time. And yeah. then after the race, uh, footage is revealed with uh, Albon's on board for his final pit stop. And at the end of pit lane, uh, some of the guests from the paddock club are being escorted to the podium in the in the stop lane on pit, on pit road. Oh, and we were like, cool. "Oh, this is dangerously unsafe." Well, like they like even though you know Albon was going at pit road speed and he was the only car in pit lane, we shouldn't be taking chances like this. Even though, again, 
Uh, we It's fine when Vettel's on a moped on a racetrack. Hey, hey, King, why would we bring up the point that Alex Albon is making a pit stop at the end of the race? <laughs> so, Williams had the big, big brain strategy. They left him out on a set of hards all the way to the last lap. He pitted from seventh. He came out in tenth. And Williams gets points. Albon gets points in his third race with the team. That's great. Awesome. And because of that absolute mad lad strategy, Aston Martin are dead last in the constructors. Folks, it's time. It's time for our weekly Aston Martin therapy session. Uh, they are <laughs> they're dead last in the constructors. Uh, more and more people are thinking that Sebastian Vettel is checked out and not even out of some weird like oh sebastian vettel is not mentally strong enough anymore he he doesn't care about the sport he can't hack it when he's not in the best car it's it's not like that ever i think most of the people that i follow most of the people that i first with would entirely understand if vettel just decided i don't need this i've got a family at home I could have mm. more fun doing literally anything else than driving this. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people forget that, you know, performance is a lot down to the car. Last year, Max Verstappen didn't just suddenly become better at driving. Uh, Vettel didn't just suddenly become a trash driver this year. Aston Martin's just a bad car. At that point, uh, the car is bad. Vettel, Vettel had a rough weekend that, that didn't just stop after Friday. Um, and I've now lost faith that Lance Stroll is going to be more than a plucky midfielder unless I get brand new evidence to the contrary, because that was his worst weekend between turning in on Nicholas Latifi on Ooh. a qualifying lap and picking up penalty for weaving and generally not doing mu uh, much in the race to begin with. I don't get it. I don't I don't want to jump on I did not want to jump on the 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 pile on the hate, but I feel like I have to. How is Aston Martin worse off in the hands of a billionaire that actually has money and isn't like ten figures in debt? I I, I, I Honestly, like first and foremost, let me address the Vettel comments first and foremost because look, I entirely blame whichever producer was shouting it down Johnny Herbert's ears on Friday regarding that because this comes up a lot with Sky Broadcasting where it's like they're mentally checked out. They're, they're making because apparently everyone becomes body language experts the moment the producer tells them to be because um, the man was literally cracking jokes about it. On in the paddock on Saturday morning, like there's a great video of that. It's like it's a stand-up routine. It was great. Um, look, I don't think there's any mental fatigue going on with Sebastian at all. I just think this team sucks at the moment more than anything else, and it it's it's easy to forget how good they were when they were still in pink, and you look at them now, and this car's gone nowhere in a year and change like 
when Mike Crack is talking about fundamental issues with this car, like aero and it's not working out, they're slow in a straight line because they're on the Mercedes power unit. They've all been trending on the lower end of the speed traps all, all season long so far. <sighs> I feel like I am in deep regret over falling for the sexy rebrand. Like, you know, Aston Martin, Aston Martin is a sexy brand name, you know, who doesn't love a bit of James Bond and, and, and a DB9. And, you know, we, 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 we brought in the big name driver. We got Sebastian Vettel, who's now become arguably the most universally liked driver in Look at F1. This. Our, which... our owner doesn't owe like billions and billions of dollars and can't like visit his home race because he'll immediately be arrested if he does. Right, you can't leave like, the country. Like, how are you worse off than you are than you were in that situation? Yeah, and this is despite again a relatively healthy billionaire, relatively speaking, a big name rebrand spending tens of millions of pounds, not only on Sebastian Vettel, but also remember paying to let Sergio Perez go, who arguably was on Vettel's level when they brought Vettel in in the first place, right? <laughs> They've, and they're also expanding to this big old factory they're building right now, right? They're, mm. they're aiming to get a 1,000 people working for them by the end of next year, right? And they went all in on Sebastian Vettel, who might not be there by the time this thing is actually built and its resources fully utilised. What about Aston Martin is good right now? Anyone? Uh, the and shade of green on the car. <laughs> that, that, that is the most British thing you could have ever possibly said on this show, RJ. Now that's saying something. Look, I, look I, I, take, <laughs> I, I enjoy taking the piss out of the British where appropriate. And I, I swear this is not targeted, but, but British racing green is a good color. It is a good color. It is a good color. This, this team sucks. Well, uh, man. <laughs> It, it's really putting the drab in olive drab because. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> boo! Boo! <laughs> like, that, they're the only team sitting on zero points. Like, this is not a good look. I And the, the, the scary part of that is I don't even see them getting points in the foreseeable future. Like, I, it's hard for me to foresee a scenario where they're fast enough to score points at the moment. Yeah, they're, they're just slow. They're not particularly... Lance Stroll had to beg and cling on to that ninth place for dear life in that DRS train, and he ended up getting copped for weaving. Like, guys, this is year six of Lance Stroll in Formula One. He has 104 starts to his name. How is he still getting clapped for basic shit like weaving and having no awareness in qualifying? He's, at, he's got 100 starts to his name. 100! <laughs> yeah, and he's currently sitting on... Like, he's currently sitting on eight penalty points. It'll go down to seven in a week. But again, another weekend like that, and he's getting a race ban. I'm with RJ on this for what it's worth. Like, I have seen nothing from Lance Stroll to suggest he is anything more than a baseline average driver. Like, this is year six. Is he is he any better than, he, than what he was at Williams, even? Compared no, to now, that's, like, that's the disappointing thing. It's the disappointing thing because I know I may be in the minority, but I, I thought I thought Lance Stroll, despite the fact that his dad had a lot of influence in his junior career financially and getting him those rides, 
you don't you don't pull off a lot of the accomplishments that he did without no. without being a little bit good. Of course. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like there's been little progression from Stroll as a driver. He's gonna go down as like he's gonna go down as a bust. He is gonna go down as a bust. And he's gonna go down the problem is is that it's hard to even be emotionally invested in him because he's got the safest seat on the grid. We know he's going nowhere as long as his dad still keeps pumping money into this team. Like Lawrence is not gonna sack his son, is he? We 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 know that. So that seat not for a is while. A, his seat is secure as long as he wants it, unless maybe Lawrence gives him the blessing to drive for a better team. Well, I, I, I don't see him doing that. So, and I can't see what are we doing happening. here? Like, like, so, like, what's Plan B here? If Sebastian Vettel really does retire at the end of the season, which I think there is a possibility, I'd be foolish to completely rule that out. He's 35 in July. He said before he, would, he contemplated retirement after Ferrari. He's got a young family at home. And he said to the media he doesn't want to be here just to make up the numbers. So you have to think there's at least a reasonable chance he might retire if this holds up at the end of the season. If he goes, who are you bringing in to replace him when you're a bottom feeder team right now? Anyone? Uh, there's always there's always a driver or two that desperate to be an F one that they'll take anything they can get. L- Liam Lawson, come on down. <laughs> I think they would get someone currently in F one, to be honest. Yeah, that, that that would make sense. Maybe a, a veteran name, or the, maybe they just bump up Hulkenberg. Who knows? Um, yeah, we, we trade in one. We trade in one thirty-five-year-old German driver for another thirty-five-year-old German driver who's got even less of a pedigree. So but you this- know there are varieties of scenarios that could play out. Like they could get, uh, say, they could get Pierre Gasly, or who knows? Um, maybe, maybe there's a wild scenario where Alpine get rid of uh, Esteban Ocon for either an Academy driver or Pierre Gasly, and oh. goes home, home oh. so to speak, to Aston Martin. Would, it, would Alpine really buy out Esteban Ocon after signing him a long-term deal? If, 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 they, if, they, if they release Esteban Ocon, I will personally go to Enstone and leave a dirty protest in front of their gates. That man he was the thought- only reason Alpine salvaged anything from that weekend. It did not go to, <laughs> according to El Kaku. <laughs> Ocon well, is a great driver. Like the, doing that. the plan. So for currently Fernando Alonso is on a three-year contract. That his contract set to expire at the end of 2023. With Alpine where they are now, do you think Fernando Alonso is actually gonna retire at this point? No. He's, he's still good enough to... He's still matching Ocon pound for pound in his age 41 season. <laughs> like, and the car's quick. And the car's, the car's quick. It's fragile as shit, but it's quick. Yeah, it's a decent car. He's driving... There's no sign of decline on Fernando by by all accounts. Even at 40... Even at 40. He's matching Ocon pretty much pound for pound since being there. And Ocon... I, I don't know about you guys, but I really rate Ocon as a driver, so... Like, oh, you know where unless, I stand. I'm all on it, Esteban Ocon. Oh track. yeah, like so. Again, I like I don't see the easy out here. I just don't like it, it's it's a really. I'm not expecting a massive silly season this year because 
seven of the, top, of the top eight seats are pretty much locked in already. Is it? Yeah. Is the only one that isn't is Hamilton's, and I don't see him suddenly retiring this year. He's got for, for, so I, I I look at the situation and I go, who the hell do you bring in if if, if Vettel walks? Like like Jesus, get creative, uh, get creative, give 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 give, give Mick a ring. Uh, Mick, <laughs> you're a cool name. Bring a Schumacher in. Why not? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I've got nothing here. This is a. It, it is a as an Aston, as an Aston fan. This is and as a, as a Vettel fan, this is just so freaking demoralizing. Um, this is, it is it is miserable. You know, things have like, been going downhill since I since I talked with Otmar at Austin. I, I feel like I have to take some responsibility <laughs> for this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to hit you with a steel chair, RJ, next time I find you. <laughs> Understandable. I'll make sure to get my hands up before it hits. Good man. Uh, that's like that's the secret to that's the secret to make sure you don't ha- get a concussion. Like, um, Albert Park uh, was renovated uh, since last time we saw it. We have a revamp sector two. Uh, they took out the chicane that used to be turn eight and nine. Uh, we were going to have four RS this weekend. We were oh. and. <laughs> And sadly, that died uh, before FP3 after Fernando Alonso brought up understandable safety concerns. But overall, folks, what do you make of the new and improved Albert Park? And did it lead to better racing? I'd say the big change wasn't the most effective one. I'd say that the, the small tweaks they made to, say, turn 13 really helped out. Mm. Uh but removing the chicane and turning it into effectively a straight, uh, I think it really hindered a lot where it, it created scenarios where literally people went for moves that there was no way they were going to make, say Carlos signs mm-hmm. or Kevin Magnuson, uh, Magnuson's race didn't end, but Carlos's did where he probably would like both those drivers probably would, would have been able to complete the move. With DRS, without DRS, they were simply. It was simply. Do I take this chance at trying to go around the outside, and you know, put my car in a, not only into the grass, but into a situation where I'm going to lose control of my vehicle and cross back across the racing line? Yeah, it's 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 not ideal. Look, I don't think that chicane is a particularly great overtaking spot to begin with because it's such. A, it's a, it's really a one-line corner. Someone really has to back off if there's going to be an overtaking event there. Otherwise, you're getting an airplane crash, given the, given the speed you're going through through there. So, like, it wasn't bad. Like, like as I think as King mentions, I think turn thirteen was a nice spot that you know has been enhanced by, you know, free RS. I guess you could say, you know, and, and I, I. I don't think it was enough of a safety concern to get rid of the fourth zone. I think that I think you could have got away with keeping that there personally. Um, but you know, the midfield was nice. You know, the cars were able to. Yeah. I know we. I know people. It's easy to rag on a DRS train to a degree, but at the same time, these cars can definitely run closer, and it has helped. I mean, it made Albert Park decent. When this is normally a bit of a clunk around, like what what do you guys remember from recent Australian Grand Prix that the jump off the page, like um, uh, retirement two thousand two's attrition fest? Like yeah, it's either it's either yeah, an attrition DNS. fest 
where you get a, an unexpected result. Or it's just a fairly routine race. A, ve- a very pretty routine race, mind yeah, you. Yeah, lovely ball still, of the wolf. Absolutely. Still fairly processional. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. that end. Yeah. Like, well, it was, I, I want to talk about that crowd, though. Yeah, it packed in over four days. 420,000 people. I'll tell you, our friends at VB Longneck Land, they really missed having <laughs> F1 around. Uh, that was that was a whole party. And hey, Daniel Ricardo's race wasn't a nightmare. Hashtag no. McLaren back. <laughs> we're, we're taking that P5 and P6. No, they, they did have a very good weekend. Like it, if, if this is a sign and if Norris in Saudi Arabia was anything to go by, yeah, McLaren might be back to where they were last year, which is a good sign for them going forward. A good weekend from, from Norris and Ricardo. 420K is a huge turnout. It like, broke the Austin is... record that they announced in, in fall. You know yeah. what that means? You know what that means, Coda Crowd? You got to step that up. <laughs> we're going to be breaking down the barricades we're aiming for half a million at Coda in, in October <laughs> they, were all, they were already trying to kick the barricades down when I went last year more I can't I can't imagine what it's going to be like you know if Miami was reasonably priced I can't imagine what that was going to be like either oh god yeah um, but even without the quote unquote reasonable pricing Miami still sold out so yeah like People like you know it's bad when I saw like someone who couldn't make the weekend for Miami flogging their tickets on Twitter and they were asking for nine hundred bucks and I was like hmm, reasonable. <laughs> I was like for Miami that's not bad. Uh, and uh, I think that's you know a large reason why you know the big push to the U.S. because you can actually make money on ticket sales because uh, I would say I, I'm pretty sure we'll get talk about it more when we get to vegas but uh i'd say that the there's a reason why there's a push for the american market and not other parts of the world because uh our population is wealth like the average american is a lot wealthier than the average citizen of insert any country here even in europe yeah yeah you know it, it makes a lot of sense for it to be that way definitely and yeah, uh, shall we get into that a little bit? I think we should get into that a little bit now because we missed this announcement because of the timing of it all. It, it happened in between Saudi Arabia and Australia. Again, I joked about it, but uh, why are my friends from Autosport all getting flights to Las Vegas? Uh, Whatever and- could they possibly be announcing at a time that's pac- that's convenient to the Pacific time zone? Yeah, 2.30 in the morning UK time they announced this. I was like, oh... So it's like that, huh? <laughs> okay, this will be Vegas then. And yes, in, in shocking news, they announced that we are going to Las Vegas in 2023 for a Saturday night race uh, in, in the streets of Las Vegas. Now, this is going to be interesting. Um, a lot of talk, a lot of discourse. Um, a lot of not so happy feelings from the European crowd, I have to say. I mean, I was pretty on the fence about the whole thing. Like, you know, I was like, okay, well, let's, let's see how this goes, you know. Um, saw the announcement, we saw the track layout, we saw how it's all going to play out. I, I want to ask you guys, gentlemen, what did you make of it all? Um, the announcement, the track layout, all of it. F1 going to Vegas, what's the vibe? Oh. USA! USA! <laughs> USA! Three U.S. races, everybody. Three. <laughs> uh, 
I'd say it is uh, Las Vegas, the event itself. It looks very solid. Street mm. circuit, exactly where you want it. Absurdly long straight down the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, yeah. The circuit, it's hard to have complaints about the circuit. There's like one 90 degree corner uh, on a street circuit. Uh, they're like, just look at the map itself. There are at least three overtaking zones. It's yeah. going, like, it is first street circuit. It's very good. It's Damn, already, yeah. like they, they looked at Tokyo Route 246 from Gran Turismo and they're just like, AO. Oh, oh my that. God. You're so right. It is Tokyo R246. My, yeah, when you look at it like that, it's just so right. It's, it's exactly like that. Yeah. I, I, I can only echo King's Elements on that one from a pure layout standpoint. This is great. Um, look, I, in good faith, cannot sit here as a filthy European, and not only a filthy European, a filthy European who grew up on MotoGP. <laughs> and if anyone knows that championship, um, at one point, we had four races in Spain, three races in America, and two in Italy at the same time. But half the calendar was based on three countries. <laughs> you know, so I can't sit here really in good faith and say, oh no, America gets free races. That's bad. I, look, 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 That's... I can't. And look, I'm a sucker. If you're tweeting about Formula One constantly, you are probably going to get up at 3.30 in the morning UK time to watch this on a Sunday morning. Okay? Call a spade a spade, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, this feels like what Formula One was always trying to do with getting the sport back into America. If you were trying to imagine F1 in America, you were probably thinking, to borrow another Grand Tourism reference from RJ here, something like New York's track in GT4. You know, Oh, they tried. They, they, they tried. tried. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it didn't work out like that. It's a shame it yeah. didn't, but you know, it just wasn't logistically possible and the whole thing fell through at Port Imperial. But we got Las Vegas. We got a race mm. on the strip. Is the race going to be good? Who knows? Is it going to be a destination that people are going to flock to? You bet your sweet bippy that it's oh, going to yeah. be a destination oh. race. Oh, hell it yeah. It ain't Caesars like Car Park. It ain't just renting out the parking lot of Legion Stadium. Because I, I think, in a way, that it's it's both a destination race and a race for quote-unquote locals. Because, like, a lot of people do have this idea about Formula One, either positively or negatively, that it's about the destinations, whether it be Monaco or even like the new Monaco, Singapore, where mm. you wouldn't see stuff like this in other sports. When, no. when, when I have to remind people that, yes, tennis's U.S. Open is played in New York City, people have like, like, if F1 did something similar, it would be, mm. oh, center court's going to be in the middle of Times Square. Uh, like, that sort of, we're having a destination event, where the destination is intrinsically a part of the event. And mm. you see this with the Miami Grand Prix, even though they couldn't get the, the downtown Miami layout over a bridge that they wanted. Oh, yeah. And had to settle with, uh, a stadium parking lot, they decided, oh, what if we build a temporary lake at the track and put <laughs> a bunch of yachts in there? Yeah. <laughs> totally normal. But Look. with Las Vegas, it's sort of column A, column B, where 
Las Vegas is a destination, but it's also a destination for people in Southern California who don't live that far away, to be honest. And uh, when you have when you have the potential for all of Cal, well, I say all of Cal, well, anyone in the state of California being easily able to go to a Formula One race, it opens up a lot of opportunities for Formula One that wouldn't necessarily exist. Right. Like, I was... Let's be honest here, right? Formula One lost Indianapolis under a lot of bad faith in the middle of the, towards the end of the 2000s. And oh, yeah. It was a there, good there's half a decade. Fa- yeah, they lost mm. Indianapolis. There's the famous story about an ostrich festival outdrawing mm. the Phoenix Grand Prix. You know, yeah. we, had, we had Caesar's Palace. You know, we haven't had, like... Up until Coda got built, we didn't have a we, we didn't have a proper permanent road course home for the United States Grand Prix after we left Watkins Glen. And mm. I'm sorry, I love Watkins Glen, but the Elmira, New York media market is not what Formula One has in mind. No, and, <laughs> for a and, destination uh, event, and no. plus people would throw throw a fucking fit saying. Oh, they t- they turn they turn Watkins Glen into they turn it into shit. They take the boot and turn it into a whole complex of second gear corners. Maybe they yeah. wouldn't. Maybe no, no. Who knows? Look, I was gonna say like after Indianapolis went and they made a big deal about building the circuit of the Americas, and then we finally raced there in two thousand and twelve. You don't imagine F one in America as racing in Austin, Texas, like Miami and Las Vegas. Those are the sorts of areas I would be targeting if I was planning to do an F1 race in America. Like, this feels like the end game for what Liberty have been trying to do with Formula One in the US, right? And as as RJ alluded to, as a destination race, 110% behind this. Like, people were complaining when the promo videos came out for it, and I was like, People were like, oh, well, this is, this looks like it's all purely for the money, to which my response low-key was, well, duh! <laughs> like, what else are they racing here for? Like, Yeah, like, yeah. where, where, excuse me, um, where were we most recently racing uh, when this video promo was released? And I don't even think the keep Formula One central to Western and Central Europe crowd uh, was up in arms as much about going to race in Saudi Arabia or Bahrain as they were about this announcement that we're racing in Vegas. Yeah, because mm. the thing is, Formula One is a multi-billion dollar sport. It's like that because people feed money into it. Uh-huh. If, if, if we weren't racing for the money, someone else would have to pay for it. And nine times out of ten, that's somebody's national government. I don't know about you or me, I love F1 as much as the next person, but I'm not asking some rando down the street to contribute part of their taxes so I can watch a Formula One race. Right, right. And we're not asking Byron out there to uh, to go pay for for another for another date on the F1 calendar. Yeah, Come on, honey, like, take me out to Road America. <laughs> if if the Las Vegas like uh, if the Las Vegas Conventions Association wants to pay for this, let them do it because it's not my taxes paying for it. Everyone who flies out and goes to Vegas and goes to a casino, 
part of part of the you know the cost uh part of the cost of the hotel room and uh event fees and things like that go into their budget and they decided and to use that budget on f1 there is ample hotel space by the way oh yeah plenty it's plenty yeah. but you do not have to worry about that shit and look I know us Europeans got very finicky about this. Oh, what do you mean it's going to be a Sunday morning race when we get three quarters of the calendar on European convenient time? I mean, come on, stop whiny bitches here. And um, honestly, based yeah. on, say, uh, the promoter of the race, you know, being F1 itself and the uh, convention association and the abundance of hotel rooms, the fact that the track is literally walking distance from the international airport, for a lot of Europeans... This is probably going to be one of the most affordable and accessible races to go to. Right. And interestingly yeah, enough, mm. and if you have a bone to pick about Formula One being so exclusive and pricing people out, your 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 beef is not necessarily with uh with the Las Vegas Convention Committee. It's it's with Bernie Ecclestone. He he got the ball rolling on this. Even even then, yeah. A large part of that is also down to the teams themselves the teams that everyone fawns over their admins on social media because <laughs> half of f1's revenue goes to the teams uh right. if you want f1 to race in places where they don't have to force the circuit promoters to pay massive sanctioning fees just simply ask the teams to take less money they're not going to do that they're never going to do that they're never going to no. take less money they're, like it took us over a decade to get a cost cap in F one, the teams are not going to spend less money. That ain't no. happening. If you want to have a, if you want to have a a, fa- a discussion in good faith about how shit sucks in America right now, uh, we can talk about that. But I don't think that a lot of this hand wringing about three United States races has anything to do with, say, civil rights in our country being <laughs> rolled back gradually. I think it just has to do with the fact that F one rate that. The majority of that phone calendar is no longer going to be a short drive or a short train ride or a short airplane ride uh, from wherever you are in the UK, Western or Central Europe. Or maybe you just are trying to purport some weird, unwarranted sense of social superiority um, that really shouldn't exist. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just my warm take on it. I've I've always said that you know like I said it during the Saudi Arabia episode. If you want if you want to draw your line there, then that's your right. But where like you you can draw that line in a wide range of areas right now if you want to. Like I come from a country right now that is literally going through it as we speak. <laughs> um, you know, our prime minister just, just was just proven to have lied in government today, the night we recorded this episode. You know. Is that a disqualifier for a, for a Grand Prix? I don't know. You tell me, right? But yeah, we'd be having a real short yeah. F one calendar if we were if we were ticking off countries for even for like the most egregious of uh, of uh, fuck shit. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Even even like me, like me personally, I I don't think the U S needs three F one races. I know mm. why it has three F one races. Personally, I don't think it should be a thing. Uh, like. To maximum, but sure. for the most part, like I, I know why this is happening. F, like it's this is, we don't know if it's a fad or not for the U.S. But 
it's in F1's best interest to get on board and try to nurture it and try to build a fan base because it is very profitable for any sport to have fans with a lot of disposable income. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't get much bigger than that west side right next to California where Vegas is or freaking Miami. Like, uh, like you know, it's it, it's it makes complete business sense to do so. And yeah, and you know, you may not like it that way, but this is how the sausage is made. Um, so yeah, and that is sausage is me. looking, it's looking very, very tasty. I gotta say yeah. though, Miami, um, you, they may need this, uh, that, that Bitcoin conference that they had looked very <clears> sad <throat> and terrible. And, uh, Indeed. apparently they had a certified dash moment. Just Ooh, sad yes. looking ball pit last day of the con. <laughs> oh, I know that story. <laughs> and, and also I like to add this point. If you think F1's quote unquote, abandoning Europe. You could, you know, <laughs> think about all the recent European additions to the calendar, like the Netherlands and Austria's re- relatively new re-edition. Uh, those are f- relatively safe. We have two races in Italy again. They like, gave Imola yeah. a long-term contract extension. You're going to be fine. Europe's not getting abandoned. And if Hardly. it was quote-unquote getting abandoned... Uh, why isn't anyone throwing out the idea of starting uh, a single-seater series that exclusively operates in Europe? Like, no one's doing that, because mm. F1 is still the dominant racing series in Europe itself. Indeed. And, uh, hey, no Paul Ricard anymore. Yay! Maybe. Maybe. maybe we guys. don't know. That's just maybe. a rumor people are throwing out there to fearmonger about the American invasion. No, oh, not the invasion. We're gonna have fifteen. <laughs> yeah, up until with- up until last year, up until last year, everybody not named Ryan Eric King was just like, "Can we <laughs> can we sim to the end of this French Grand Prix contract already?" Yeah, <laughs> and King's like here, the biggest defender like of France. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here. Where where the where the hell have all you been? All you guys been for like the last twenty years? Yeah, what happens is we gotta have a Grand Prix in France, bruh. I was out here when people were complaining about Magni Court. Oh, bike track, bike track, etc. But that's Vegas, everybody. We'll see you next year. Let's call it a show on that one. Decent Australian race, probably the weakest of the three rounds you've had so far, but the three rounds you've had so far have been pretty good, so I can't really complain. You know, like, I know it's a bit weird having Australia in round three, but this was an okay race. I will take an okay race every once in a while. So, yeah, Australia. Formula 1 will be back in two weeks' time in Imola. You know, that that pesky non-European round for us European folks that, you know, we're worried about what's happening. Um, Yeah, Imola next weekend. Oh, and there's a sprint race weekend as well. You know how much we love them in F1, don't we? God Um, damn, we got... F3, F2, and an F1 Sprint Weekend. Racing. Lots and lots of racing on that weekend in Imola. You'll love to see it. Uh, so that'll be in two weeks' time in Imola. See you then. But uh, uh, please, you can find us one more time. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Our handles at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell. 
um, our website, motorsport101.com, and our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Next up, IndyCar at Long Beach, because we, we didn't get enough time in to talk about American Street Circuit, so we're going to make a whole episode about another one of them. What's not to love? Uh, oh, and Joseph Newgarden is, uh, is beating the field over his knee at the moment. That's going to be fun, right? So, until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been fired Eric King and RJ O'Connell. Until then, sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. <laughs>